This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Last week, we talked about uh, getting a fresh start, how that you can have a fresh start in your life, and, and God wants us to have that. And we said that there are three principles to a fresh start. Does anybody happen to remember one of those principles? Forgive. And so actually, we said that's the first thing you've got to do. You've got to wipe the sl- slate clean. You've got to forgive all the people, even if the people is you. All right? Forgive. Forgive those that have hurt you. Forgive yourself for doing it. Okay? Second thing was what? Forget. You've got to forget the past. Listen, you quit dragging your past around you. Somewhere along the line, you've got to cut the umbilical cord to all of your past and move and be able to move on into your future. And the third principle I just said, which is what? Move on. Move on. And I told you I had, you know, really thought about getting a piece of wood and giving it to every one of you in the service. And, and you could say, what is this piece of wood for? And I'd say, it's to help you build a bridge and get over it. You know, because you got, if you're going to move on, you got to get over things. You know, the Bible says some things are going to remain crooked. They just are. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite verses really helps me because I tend to have, and I've gotten better as I've gotten older, but my, I'm a perfectionist in it, at heart, and, and so nothing's perfect. And so it helps me. I'll look at things and I've learned as I've gotten older to be more mellow about it and more relaxed and at ease and and to accept things the way they are sometimes. Now, so we looked at dealing with our past last week with our past and reaching for our future. Dealing with our past and reaching for our future. But what is in, what, does anybody know what is in between my past and my future? What? Now, everybody say now. Now, so today we're going to talk about what do we do now? If I'm forgetting my past and I've dealt with my past and I'm reaching for my future, what do I do now? Because you're forever going to have now. All right? And you live now. In Jeremiah 29 verses 11 or 10 and 11, the prophets are... uh, says this, and I'm just going to read, uh, I'll read verse, both verses. The truth is that you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans. Say, God has a plan. God has a plan. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. Everybody say good. good. And not for disaster. Give, to give you a future. Say future. Say, I have a future. future. To give you a future and a hope. Say, I have hope. hope. Okay. Now, that's a very familiar verse of Scripture. It was Denise's sister, Pam's uh, favorite Scripture. Pam was Denise's sister, one year older than her, that died back uh, in 2005. Uh, And uh, my wife, it was a blow to her. uh, And I watched her. It took about a year for her to, to get 
turn the corner and get past the grief of that. But Pam loved that scripture and held on to it. And uh, always through her life, that was her number one scripture. But God says here, I know the plans I have for you. And they're plans for good, not for evil. To give you a future and to give you a hope. Praise God. Boy, that's beautiful, isn't it? Thank God that's in the word of God. Now, here's what God says there. He says, I've got a plan. Would you say God has a plan? God has a say God has a plan for me. Now listen, you need to let that sink down in your heart and you need to believe that and not just let it become a religious thing you hear some preacher say on a Sunday morning. Because when you face life, when you face problems, when you face the things that want to say to you through circumstance and situation, well, where is God? And we all come to that place where, where is God? If God has a plan, if God is big, if God is powerful, if God is for me, if he is love, where is he? See, I need, to have the, I need to have something down deep inside me that, that is an anchor or that is a stabilizing force in my soul, in my being, that is able to say, but I know God has a plan. That looks beyond, that, that's, I should say it this way, that stares in the face of circumstances and situations that are totally against you, that you can still say, but I know God has a plan. I know God has a plan. You remember when the children of, or, uh, when uh, Jesus was teaching the people and they'd been out three days and Jesus said they're hungry, they haven't eaten for three days. And he said, we need to get them something to eat. And they were out in the wilderness and there was no, not, no money and nothing there. And the disciples, he told the disciples, get them something to eat. And Peter said, well, Lord, he said, if we had plenty of money, we couldn't do anything. There's, there's too many. It was like probably 20,000 people there. And they knew, what do you mean feed them? And he said, well, go on and find, you know, I want you to feed them. And the Bible says this verse, another one of my favorite verses. It says this, but he himself already knew what he was going to do. See, wherever you are and whatever you're facing, I promise you, God has a plan and he already knows what he's going to do. Now, this is where we've got to learn what we need to do so he can do what he needs to do, has planned to do. God has a plan and God's plan is for good. It is not for bad. You must believe that God has a plan for you and that his plan is good. Now, I remember before I got saved, I don't know if, about, if you were this way, but you know, I was, I didn't be, get saved or become a Christian until I was 24 years of age. And, you know, I was around, knew of Christians, you know, they were not my, the people I hung around with, but I knew of Christians and I knew of Christianity. I didn't go to church, but you know of it here in the States. Um, <clears throat> and my concept of Christianity was a black and white movie where everybody had kind of a grayish tone there was no black, there was no white, there was no color. They were all just kind of a grayish tone and their clothes were kind of gray colored. There, there was not, you know, everything was washed out. Nothing looked alive. I thought of Christians. I knew of Christian girls and Christian guys at school and I thought they've got to be living the most boring, lifeless, 
existence there is. I felt sorry for them. I thought all they have to do, all they get to do is go to church and pray and be good. I thought, boy, that life, that's horrible. But isn't it something when you get, when I got born again, boy, I found out who was the biggest fool. I was blinded by the enemy because for the first time in my life, I felt alive. I didn't have to go to a party to find life. I didn't have to go find something to have life. All of a sudden, I felt life inside me. I felt alive inside me. And it was not, you know, it was not a life driven by passions of the flesh. It was all of a sudden a life that was satisfied with what it had internally, with who I was internally and what I had. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In one translation it says, I have come so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. The Bible says that. See, Jesus says that. So God has a plan for your now forever. Throughout your existence on this earth, God has a plan. The Bible says that the steps of the godly are ordered. The word ordered means is really could be better translated established. And some translations will use that term. And the term established means this. It means made firm and stable. Made firm and stable. See, as long as you are walking in faithful obedience, the best you know how, we see through a glass darkly. We don't know everything. But the best way I know I'm following God Am I perfect? No. Am I going to miss it? Yes. But I'm still following God. Am I going to stumble? Yes. But I get back up. I'm not going to change direction because I failed. Are you listening to me? You know, in baseball, the guy, first time he strikes out, he's not off the team. He doesn't quit baseball, throw the bat away and say, I'll never play again because I can't hit it every time. Have you realized that the best batters in Major League Baseball miss it seven times out of 10? They fail 70% of the time, yet they're the ones that win the, uh, the, uh, the uh, batting champ the crown. Are you with me? They keep on, they keep on, see? The Bible says that God, the, the steps of the godly, those, what does it mean godly? Doesn't mean we're perfect in ourselves, it means we're following God. We believe in God. We're following him. We're doing the best we know how and following him. Our hope is in him. Our trust is in him. And as I follow God, every step I take, I don't know everything to do, but God takes my step and he makes it firm and stable. Even if I take a wrong step, he's going to make it right and direct me to the right place. Trust God to lead you into the future that he desires for you. But I want to read some more of this scripture because this scripture, this verse that we love to read in Jeremiah 29, 11, it's pulled out of a context and I think we need to investigate the context to really understand it even more clearly what God is saying here because if you pull that scripture out by itself, it's kind of like someday in the sweet future, God's going to do this for us, but we need to find out and God does have something for our future God has dealt with our past and he has a plan for our future, but there is something God speaks to now. And really, 
you know, this portion here that I'm going to read to you, it speaks, God spoke to their now. In the meantime, are you listening to me? God says, I'm going to do this for you. But folks, we got to find out what do we do in the meantime? Between the amen and there it is. I pray a prayer, amen. But I don't get up from my knees and it being done. I've got to do something between the amen and the there it is. In the meantime, between the time I say amen and the time my promise shows up. Okay. Let me read. This is out of the Message Bible. This is a message from God to all the exiles in Babylon. Now, here's what he tells them to do. In the meantime, here's what he says. Build houses and make yourselves at home. Put in gardens and eat what grows in that country. They weren't where they were supposed to be. They weren't in their future. They were not where God planned. He said, I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to do this. But in the meantime, see this, because if we don't have something to do in the now, you're going to lose your future. If you don't know what to do now, you won't get to your future. Now, God has promised you the future, but you got to deal with the now. He said, build houses and make yourselves at home. Make myself at home in the wrong place? Yes, sometimes the wrong place has got to be the right place at this time. Build houses and make yourselves at home. Put in gardens. Eat what grows in that country. Eat the fruit of that country. See, some of you are, everything you eat now is so bitter because it's not what you want. You're unhappy on your job, unhappy with your life, unhappy with your size or whatever. You're unhappy. God says you better learn to eat the good where you are. You eat good when it's bad. You eat the good even in the wrong. Put in gardens and eat what grows in that country. Marry and have children. Encourage your children to marry and have children in that land so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. In other words, God says, you can die before you ever get to your future. You can miss the future because you die in your now. Listen, you can get so unhappy in your now while waiting on the promise that you die in your now and never get to your promise. I think the, the number one thing is to believe God's promise for the future. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about, like David said, if I, if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living, in, in this life here on earth, I could not have made it. I'm talking about God's promise for your, your future on this earth. What he wants to do with you in a better life and God wants you to have a vision for that. But my friend, listen to me. You'll never get to that future if you don't deal and learn how to live in your now. Because if you'll learn to embrace your now, suddenly your now will become your future. I'm not talking about where you are. I'm talking about God will, you will suddenly find yourself in that future you dreamed of. 
marry and have children, encourage your children to marry and have children so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. Make yourselves at home there. Build a home in the wrong place. Build a life in a place you don't want to live. I'm talking to some people. I hate this job. No. Don't say that. Say, this is not my future, but it is my now. And so I'm going to make this the best now it can be until I get to the future I'm believing for. Make yourselves at home there and work, listen, work for that country's welfare. They're in the land of their enemies. They're in the land of their enemies. You may feel like I'm working on a job. I'm in a situation that I, people hate me and I'm getting all this and all of a sudden it's all about you and how you're going through and how you're a victim and all of this. Get out of the victim mentality. Quit being a victim. You're not a victim, you're a human being. And if you're a human being living on earth, you're going to catch it. You're going to get it, especially if you live for Jesus. But I found out even if you don't live for Jesus, the world will run over you. But he says here, make yourselves at home where you are. Build a home in the land of your enemies. Build a home in the place you don't like. See, the reason we resent this is a, a spirit of fear. Fear tells us we'll never get beyond here. Fear. See, the spirit of fear. I need to teach on fear. Because so much, so much of what goes on in people's lives, it's either, listen, your life is directed either by hope or by fear. You either have faith and hope or you have fear. And most of the time, there's a little of both. And you got to learn how to conquer your fears. you got to learn how to deal with them because they're always going to be there. Make yourselves at home there and work for that country's welfare. How in the world does God, listen, God is telling them, these are your enemies, but work for their blessing. Work for their welfare. Work for something good there. Pray for Babylon's well-being. Listen to this. If things go well for Babylon, things go well for you. Wow. Maybe the reason it's so hard on that job is because you've been saying, I hate this stupid job. I curse this job. Maybe that's why it's just getting worse and worse for you. Maybe the reason your neighbors and where you live in that house in that neighborhood is so stinking horrible and you can't stand it is because you say it's so stinking horrible here. You're creating, they're cursing that. You say, yeah, but I hate it here. Make a home there. Make it right. Make a good life there. Listen, Denise and I, when we, got, we were young, I was 20 and she was 16. We got married. Yes, I know. But anyway, <laughs> she wasn't pregnant. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some people say, why would you get married so young? She must have been pregnant. No. Um, but uh, we got married young and... Uh, I, it was during the Vietnam era, and so I had to go, you know, and uh, 
So I asked her if she'd wait. She said no. And so I said, well, then marry me now. And she did. And so we did. And we went. I was in training and different things and got stationed at different places before I went overseas. And so we were going to different places. And sometimes we would only like, we were only in Boston, what, uh, three, four months. But she, you know, everywhere we'd go. Now listen, we lived in the ghetto in Boston. We did. We lived downtown in the worst part of the neighborhood. Our next door neighbor was a prostitute that played the cello. So we knew when business was good. If the cello was playing a lot, business was off. But if the cello wasn't playing much, she was making money. Yeah. There was, a, there was a homeless guy slept on the fire escape landing that was at our kitchen window. There were no drapes, no curtains, nothing in the house. There was no light bulbs. We, uh, we had, and when you turned on the water, the, it was green. It was, wasn't it? You remember? You turned on the water. See, you took a bath in green water. All right? Now, I mean, it had all this stuff and it stunk like everything. And we, would, we got a little 12-inch, I think it was, uh, black and white TV we had that we brought with us. And we used it. That was our light. And we ate beans every night. Because you could buy a bag of beans and we could cook them in real cheap. And so we had beans every night. And we'd sit there and we'd, we'd turn on the TV and, you know, with the rabbit ears and the aluminum foil. You guys that have never experienced that. <laughs> but let me, here's my point. Here's my point. And we lived in different places all over, all kinds of things like that. Uh, we lived in half a tr- uh, third of a trailer in Jacksonville, Florida, when I was stationed there. Uh, the, the, just a little third of a trailer that was not much bigger. Probably the trailer, our part was about probably from here to there, the platform, about like that. That was the, t- and you know, uh, 10 foot wide. That was where we lived. It was a retired couple that had owned the trailer and they had rented us that little area for because they were retired. It subsidized, gave them an income. And we lived there. But everywhere we lived, did Denise want to live in those places? No. Would she go back to those places? No. She's been spoiled. But everywhere we went, Denise did this. She would go to the S&H Green Stamp store and she would get these plastic things she would trade in green stamps and get them and put them on our wall. And I'd come in after the first day of being on the job. I'd come in off, you know, being at base. I'd come in and she would have that little dinky dump of a rat's nest that rats, I mean, the rats were like, they looked like poodles. <laughs> I'm talking about in Boston. And uh, I mean, she made that place look like a home. Then we moved in that little trailer, little bitty. I mean, you couldn't hardly go in the, I mean, the bathroom, I'm serious. The bathroom was just like a little bitty place. You go in there and you use the bathroom and shower at the same time. (laughs) And sometimes that's just what you did. You know, I mean, it was just a little bitty, you know, like a travel trailer type 
uh, bathroom. And, uh, but she, I'd come in and she'd have stuff on the wall. She had it decorated. She got, you know, nice sheets and stuff. And she made us a home and created a life. And we'd eat beans every night, but we'd have a good meal together. And, and it was life. And we created a life where we didn't want to live. We enjoyed the life we had, though we did not like where we had to live it. So my message is in the meantime. In the meantime. In the meantime. And meantime means this, the period of time between two things. The now and the when of our life. The now we're in and the when something happens. The now I'm living and the when I get to my promise, my desire, my hope, my dream. The meantime, the meantime. And if we don't understand the meantime, if we don't conquer it, if we don't live it right, we're in trouble. We'll miss the when. So what does God say? He says, get on with living life. Get on with living life. I think about, if you don't mind me mentioning Pam. Pam had, was given four weeks to live, but she lived 10 months due to chemo. But I watched Pam, Denise and Janice, Janice, her, Denise's oldest sister, the three girls every day got together and you know what they did? They went shopping, they went out to eat, they lived a party. They partied, they had fun, they lived the life she had until her life ended. They didn't, now Denise with me, one day back then we had a boat uh, and we would, because I wanted to have something I could take my family away from everything. So every Saturday during good weather we'd go up to Lake Martin and, and we'd stop by Subway and we'd get something to eat and We'd go spend all day, or we'd pick a lunch, and we'd spend all day on the lake. And so uh, one day I took Denise out on the boat. I thought, boy, i got to get her out because she's just so buried into what's going on with Pam. And she had a crying spell. I mean, I literally thought I was going to have to take her to the doctor. She couldn't stop. But with Pam, she didn't do that. With Pam, they lived life. And Pam lived the life she had till life was no more. What if I told you this is as good as it gets? What would you do? Would you give up? Would you hate it? Would you despise it? Would you be angry? Would you be frustrated? I'm going to tell you what I would do. I'm older now, so I understand that. But here's what I'd do. I'd build a life then because I realize there is a stepping off point. There is a place where it is no more. And it's coming to me pretty rapidly as it is to you. And no one knows the day. No one knows when you're suddenly going to just, your heart stops. But why not live the life you have while your heart is beating? And make the most of it. Make the best of where you are now. Create, and listen to this, create the good, create a good life before you get to the good life. 
make where you are a great life while you're on your way to your dreamed of great life. Are you listening? Make a great life here, now. Be a blessing where you are and bless where you are. By the blessing of the righteous, a city prospers. And God said, if Babylon, if it goes well for Babylon, it goes well for you. And this is what he was saying. It's understood. He was saying, but if it goes bad for Babylon, it goes bad for you. Listen, it doesn't matter whether I love Montgomery or not, and that's not the issue of what I'm talking about. But I'm going to tell you what, I speak blessing over Montgomery. I want blessing over Montgomery. I praise God for Montgomery, and I bless this city, and I pray for this city. And I'm believing God for great things in this city. Here's what God is saying. If you want a blessing, then be a blessing. Ask God to show you how you can be a blessing where you are. Ask him, how can I be a blessing here? Instead of saying, I hate this job and I can't wait to find the other. See, some of your, your life doesn't start till the next job starts. What if there is no next job? That means your life's over. Should we go ahead and bury you? Why not just go ahead and live life? Listen. Ask God to show you how you can be a blessing. Don't curse the life you have now by complaining. Speak blessing over your life and over where you are. Be a blessing. That person, those people or person or whatever on their job that is mistreating you or doing you wrong, they, or they pass over you to, and they go with their friends and you're getting done wrong, listen, quit. Don't get an attitude about them. Start blessing them. Start blessing them. Pray for them. And pray God to bless them. I promise you this stuff works. Live your now. Create a good life now. Be a blessing now. And then he says pray. Pray for your city. Pray for your place of employment. Pray for your boss. Pray for your fellow workers. Pray for the people in school with you. Pray for your neighbors. Amazing things begin to happen when we change our attitude and pray. Now let me read another verse of scripture to you. Two verses in the message. I'm reading out of the message Bible. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. Now God's talking to these people here. And he tells them he's got a future for them. He says, don't worry, I've got, I know what my plans are, and they're good for you. I'm going to give you a future and hope. But in the meantime, in the meantime, in the meantime, build a life where you are. Build a good life. Make life good where you are and be a blessing to where you are. And when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, You'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I'll turn things around for you. Somebody say, God is so good. So here's what I'm going to tell you. 
Look for God. Don't look for God in your future only. Look for God in your now. Look for God in the worst of places. Look for God in the worst of circumstances. Look for God in the worst of people. I have found in life that you can find God anywhere, anytime you are willing to simply look for him. The sad thing is, Christians become just like the world. They only see the circumstance. They only see what's wrong. And they forget the fact that God is in them and he is with them. Dr. Cho, uh, the pastor of the world's largest church, used to preach a message saying uh, the, that we, you know, the address of God. And he said, every believer is the address of God because God lives in you. So if I have God with me, then no matter what circumstance I am in or where I am, God is there if I'll just look for him. Don't look for the bad or what's wrong. Nothing is perfect. Bad and wrong are always with us. But so is God. So is God. You can always find things that aren't right. You can always find things that are wrong. If you followed me around, there'd be times you'd say, I'm not gonna let him be my pastor. He's not perfect. But if you followed any other pastor around, they'd be the same. But you know what? If we followed you around, Here's the thing. Here's what I've found. We always find what we're looking for. I can tell what you're looking for by what you talk about. See, I can, find, I can know what you're looking for, what you are, where you are, by what you find wrong in other people's lives. If you come to me and tell me, oh, we need this so-and-so. I don't think they should be into this and this and this and this. What I realize is you've got issues. In psychology, they call it projection, where you project what's dealing in you on others. And it's a reality. It's human nature. It's the fallen human nature. If you do not like what you are getting, then change what you're looking for. Start looking for God. Listen, if you go seeing God, and I'm not talking about, you know, some mystical thing. I'm talking about just like in his creation and, and in, in his goodness to you. And if you go with a sense of God is here, God is good. I belong to God and God's in, look what God has done. And you go on your job and thank God. I mean, you think about the people that would love to have a job. You think about the people that have lost their jobs and have lost everything. And you think, wow, you know, yeah, but I only make minimum wage. You're making minimum wage and that's not the end and make your life now and believe for a future. Now listen to me. I am so embarrassed of the American political system. And listen, I'm not Republican or Democrat or any of that. Y'all can have all of that. Have your fill of it. Love them. Back them. Do all that. My, 
My heart is given to Jesus. I'm of another kingdom. But I am embarrassed of, of the American political system because soon when we have an election coming up, They're not going to talk issues. Nobody talks issues. They point out what's wrong with the other person. We go through it. That's what we're teaching. This is what our leaders do. They only say what's wrong with the other person and try to find everything they can to criticize about the other. And I'm so disgusted with it. But the issue is they realize that's where America is. That's what America wants. That's how America lives. Criticizing and judging and and jealous and angry at others. Well, it ought to stop with the church. We ought to be different. We ought to be salt and light. If you've got a horrible boss and everybody knows he's horrible, go on that job and you like your boss. Just care for him. Be like Jesus. You remember Jesus went and helped the demoniac that everybody else ran out of town, bound him in chains and stuck him in a cave. Jesus helped him. Jesus cared for the lepers. Jesus, he loved the unlovely. Anybody can love people that love you. The Bible says even the world does that. But the Bible says, Jesus said, if we're going to be his children, we should love those that aren't lovable that can't be loved, that we shouldn't love. And we say, I don't love them. Well, God does. You remember I said, look for God. If you look for God, I found you can find him anywhere, anytime. If you're willing to look for him, just simply look for God. And this is what I close with. Decide, make a decision. Make a decision. That your life now, the life you have now, not when when I get somewhere, when things suddenly change, when God shows up. Listen, my friend, God has shown up. It's you just don't recognize him because you're talking about you're not talking about God. You're talking about your circumstances. You see, your circumstances to you are more important than God. Because if God was more important, you would be happy in God where you are in the worst of circumstances. Listen, I told God this when I got saved. I said, I don't want there to ever be a day that I don't appreciate what you've done for me. And there's times, I have to admit, that I've gotten in the mully grubs, you know what that is, you know. You get, get down, you know, and all this, and circumstances, and unhappy with life, and all this. And sometimes I've let it go by. But it won't be long before the Holy Spirit reminds me, and he just, you know, kind of shakes me, and says, where would you be? Where would you be if it wasn't for me? How dare you put your circumstances and your desires above me? 
And you know what I have to do, Rick? I get down and I say, God, forgive me. And I do this. I do this. I get down and I say, God, forgive me. I confess to you. I'm acting like a fool. I'm acting and feeling like a fool would feel. Because a fool says there is no God. And I'll say, forgive me. And I ch- here's what I do. I say, I choose right now to be happy. I choose to have the right attitude. I choose and I'll get up and I'll say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness in my life. Thank you for your blessing in my life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for your God. I thank you. I'll tell you what. My circumstances may not change, but my attitude about them does. Decide right now where you are well, no matter how bleak it may look or how it's not what you want, decide though, right now, I'm going to make a life right here and it's going to be a good life. I'm going to make a good life while I'm on my way to a good life. I'm going to make a great life here while I'm on the way to my great life. God has a plan for something more, but while I'm in the less, I'm going to build a good life and live it to the fullest and decide that your life, decide that my life is going to be a blessing where I am, not one day when God does something for me. Because see, most of us say, well, when God blesses me, my friend, a person of faith says God is blessing me. I'm breathing. My heart's beating. I'm standing on my feet. I'm standing upright. Hallelujah. It's good. It's good. Is it the best? No, I'm on my way to the best. But it's good because God is with me. Well, stand with me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.